On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. Normally, I'd be sitting here with the world's greatest music producer, Big Block Spencer, but he's on a plane heading out to go see Malik, uh, his son, playing football this weekend. But I do have the world-renowned Veron Haynes, one of the greatest football players of all time, all-time Super Bowl champ. Veron, what's going on, buddy? I'm well, Doc. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Our guest today is Luan Pham. He's an immigrant from Vietnam, and he started a company called Burma. Luan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I appreciate being on here. Uh, great to meet you all. Just one uh, quick correction. I'm the CMO, not the founder, but uh, it's a great idea nonetheless. Understood. Burma, B-Y-R-N-A is the name of your company, Obviously, you are a big timer. You've had your stories are amazing. We can't wait to share them with the audience today. Tell us a little bit about Berna and why you're so passionate about this company. Sure, Berna manufactures and uh, produces a line of less lethal pistols and firearms that we sell to government agencies like the DEA, ATF, Department of Homeland Security, hundreds and hundreds of police departments across the U.S. and global military and police, but. The majority of our customers are everyday consumers. These, these products are legal in all 50 states, do not require a permit to own, and all you have to be is 18 years or older. Uh, our products incapacitates uh, an attacker for 30 to 40 minutes, uh, attacking the central nervous system, system essentially shutting them down uh, without having to take a life. So uh, it's an important product for today's market, today's uh, climate. Uh, so great for law enforcement officers for us to help save their careers, but also give citizens, law-abiding citizens, an opportunity to defend themselves uh, without having to report to lethal means. That's awesome. Luan, welcome and good morning. I'm Veron uh, the Jock, as, 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 as these guys call me. Uh, tell me about your, 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 your migration to the states was that difficult what age did you come across and what are some of the adversities and challenges that you faced sure uh i my family and i immigrated to the united states in 1977 my father supplied the u.s military with natural materials during the war and when the war ended he was not a popular guy uh with the um with the folks there so we had to literally risk our lives and, um, you know, made it on a purchase, a, my dad purchased a fishing boat and we escaped uh, uh, into the international waters and was uh, ultimately picked up by a Chevron oil tanker and had the opportunity to um, gain access uh, to the United States. So when we got here, I came from zero to six years of age with a silver spoon in my mouth. We had nannies. Uh, in a country where most people rode bikes, we had cars. My father was educated in Europe. Uh, and when we landed in America, we started at zero. I mean, you're talking about, you know, government assistance, the whole nine yards. And so some of the adversities of acclimating to a new country, not knowing the language, 
and all of a sudden not having the resources that we once had. And so having to deal with a life and death situation at such an early age. And then also, as I reflect back, looking at my parents, we had six kids um, and watching them rebuild uh, was uh, very inspiring uh, in, in many cases. Luan, that's that's an amazing story. You know, it, it really hits home with me. My father was a veteran of the Vietnam War. And when I was growing up, he used to talk to me a lot about his experiences over there. And he used to talk to me about the greatest gift that I ever got in my life besides my health was being born a citizen of the United States of America. And he talked about how many advantages we have here. And, you know, I had to imagine it and take his word for it because I didn't know anything different. Tell me about the difference between the struggles that you had when uh, in Vietnam, a war-torn country going through obviously difficult times and what uh, the United States of America offered you in terms of opportunity and the ability to be so successful like you have become. You know, I look back and, and often think about you know, what if things were different? Where would, who would I be? What would I be? And what would I be doing right now? And But I, I wouldn't take anything back as painful and hard as that journey was for me and my family. Uh, just really starting with zero and just being so frustrated that why did, you know, life or fate deal, deal with, you know, with these cards and, and then, you know, at some point you just got to suck it up, you know, wipe the tears, suck it up and, you know, grind. And through the, the journey of, you know, taking, you know, donations from the church to really focusing on, education and working hard and that's the grit that has stayed with me throughout my entire life and my, what has built me as a very successful um, business person. So some of the challenges that you have I would imagine were like huge obstacles especially learning the new ways of life and stuff like that. Talk to our audiences particularly the, the at that early age when you came across about some of the challenges that you faced in, in school? Sure. I mean, look, it comes down to having resources and, and, you know, to have the proper clothes, the supplies and the ability to do social things like little league. Right. And so we didn't have that. So I came, I came as is, and uh, as uh, an immigrant, I think you, you get all of the, you know, you get all the jokes, you get all the, the bullying and um, just finding it extremely hard to, to really operate, just trying to fit in and acclimate. But, uh, you know, you were this odd fish in this pond, right? And, and you were not, you know, you were, I wasn't socially accepted, uh, you know, in, in for many years uh, during from six to adolescence and, and, the fact that you know we didn't have the financial resources to be be part and participate in all the things that get you um, into social acceptance was was difficult and you know it was tough to make friends and at that time there weren't a lot of Vietnamese Americans you know in the schools I went to and it was you know I was probably and my siblings were probably the only Asian kids in our school. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we were roughed up, but it wasn't an easy go. And it made life 
that much more challenging trying to get educated, learn the language, and then navigate not only the, the, the hardships at home, but also now taking those hardships and then getting this different set of hardships at school and then just um, trying to figure that all out. And, you know, as a young kid, you know, there are many, many nights where, you know, I think about that, that movie where Cuban Gooding Jr. punches the air and, you know, and, and you're so frustrated. There's nothing you can do, but, you know, and you want to give up. And, you, and, and so, like, what, what saved me in my mindset was one step at a time. Just put one foot forward and just keep on going because we, I didn't know what was going to happen at the time. You know, I was hoping that my parents would take care of, care of us. And, and, you know, that was, that was the prayer. Luan, what were some of the tools that you used to overcome this adversity? You know, one of the things that we like to demonstrate to our big timer audience is that anybody you see that's successful uh, did not have a straight road to success. We all go through adversity. We all struggle. They have different appearances and different people, but it's really all the same. You know, nobody, nobody gets through this life unscathed and you need to have uh, the same habits on a daily basis, this uh, engaging in proper habits. We like to talk about honesty, integrity, accountability, being a good teammate for others, and most of all, having the courage to do the right thing and being courageous. Talk to me about how, as a young kid, you don't speak the language, you don't know the culture, uh, you know, you're having trouble even engaging in little league. What were the tools that you used to to accomplish one day at a time and be the success that you are today? So, I think the biggest advice I would ask provide folks that are struggling at any age is when we first came, there was um, this American family. The kids were blonde and blue eyed. They were so nice to us, you know, and they came and they welcomed us to the neighborhood. Uh, they try to communicate with us, you know, through gesture and hand gestures, et cetera. And then you start building your nucleus of, of, of supporters. And then we met a Mexican family that, you know, uh, that was kind of in the same social, socioeconomic, uh, situations we were in. And we kind of understood our struggles, right. And we bonded that way. And, and, you know, they beginning, they began to have my back. And, you know, I was just following their lead. And, and so if you're struggling, you know, find areas and other and support group, however you can. It doesn't have to be big. It could be, you know, three guys on, uh, you know, or, or what have you. And just just really embrace each other and then shit. And, and I think just communicate where the fact that, you know, hey, I don't know what you're feeling, but this is what I'm going through. And, again, there was a language issue in the beginning. But they understood the hardships. I and mean, if it wasn't for those guys who are still my lifelong friends today, it would have been a different journey for me. And so um, it's, it's, it's the village mentality that's going to. Yeah, we talk, we talk about that on the show as community. You need to find community. You know, none of us gets through this world alone. We all struggle. We all need to be picked up and we all need people we can support. Uh, and people to support us and finding that community is one of the important strategies, especially early in life. And, you know, that becomes difficult. You don't want to get with the wrong community and you don't want to be doing, doing, you know, things are, that are going to get you into trouble, but finding like-minded people that also understand the concepts of honesty, integrity, accountability, working hard, 
you know, being a good teammate and being courageous. Where were the places that you found this community? What types of people and, and how did you uh, develop your community as a young person? Sure. So I want to get past the language barrier part and now forward, you know, me at 12, at 13. And so I, I am now speaking the language and, you know, America is still pretty much new to, to me. And I found my community in sports. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my father gave me some good advice. Like, hey, we're, we're not very big people. And this is a very, you know, big, big country. Learn to defend yourself. And so um, I was probably in the seventh grade and I joined the wrestling team and uh, did wrestling. And then and through that hardship, made a, a community of brothers that, you know, took me all the way through high school, first year of college. And it felt, finally felt that I found my tribe. And when I found my tribe and I was going through, you know, uh, the struggles of trying to be a competitive athlete uh, gave this whole new light to what life in America would be for me. And, you know, that was a whole different journey that, you know, I still cherish today. So one, uh, being one of six, that's, that's difficult in itself, right? You know, you fight for everything. You talk about sports and I, for one, resonate with that because I think the impact of sports, especially at an early age, teach life lessons, right? Whether it's going through adversity, camaraderie, all the stuff, the nuances that's going to prepare you for the future. Tell me about the 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 faith that you have have and what have you learned from your faith to now apply into your everyday life. So, you know, we came from a country where it was predominantly Buddhist and my family were Catholic. And so, you know, it was church every Sunday, you know, like it or not, you were going to church. And so with that, it it set the foundation for who I am as a person, the, 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 you know, moral aptitude that I apply to everything I do. And, you know, it comes down to, to, uh, something very basic for me. Just be a good person. Build yourself up so you have the ability to help others. And, um, you know, that has been uh, something that has been uh, very passionate for me. Uh, you know, Linda knows my, my story, but uh, I worked in New York for many years. I was a uh, global head of marketing for Golf Digest. Didn't know how to golf when I took the job. 15 years later, I'm running the brand. Uh, I then ended up starting my own uh, uh, plant-based superfood coffee company. Didn't know anything about coffee other than I love coffee. And five years later, uh, we uh, IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange and had a, a windfall that allowed me to retire at the time. But during that journey, I did make a trip back to my home country uh, in my uh, early 30s. And... Uh, just to reconnect with the world I left behind because I kind of like, I always, I jokingly said, tell folks like, you know, I'm a corn fed Asian, right? And so like I'm as American as American. <laughs> me. Um, but I still have my roots. So I went back to the motherland just to re to rediscover where I came from. And, and after that first magical journey, I saw uh, such a disparity between, 
wealth, affluence, and poverty, that sitting on that plane, uh, I promised myself that whatever my income would be, uh, I'm going to donate a percentage of my income and go back and to help folks. So after that that trip, I went back a dozen times. I'm using my own funds to help uh, build homes for, for folks in um, in uh, ravaged areas of the country where the they experience floods uh, every year. Donated to op- uh, operations for victims of Ancient Orange. I never solicited a dime from anybody, from my friends or any organizations. This was my personal journey. And um, my friends ended up, you know, pitching in whenever they, whenever I went, I was like, hey man, here's something for what you're doing. And it was something that was so rewarding to me. And I don't want to, I could get into very deep details, but I know we don't have a lot of time, but it's just the ability to understand where you came from and not having much to work with, working your ass off to make it happen. There's so many distractions from, hey, do you want to go smoke pot to, this, that, or though you want to go drink and, um, you know, just focus finding sports and finding my tribe and staying, you know, on a narrow path and just being laser focused on like one step at a time. And at some point you're going to pass that finish line. And, um, there's so many times you want to quit and you're like, "Ah, I can't hack this. And then you just regroup and then march on. And, And for those that are listening, if you're sitting out there and, you were, you're in a tough position. Trust me, just keep moving forward. Even if it's a quarter step, just keep moving forward and believe that tomorrow is a better day. And, and uh, for me, I, I look at the perspective of when I was sitting on that plane going over back from my first trip to Vietnam, and I said, what, what, are, what are my biggest issues in life right now? I have a 90-minute commute to work where I go into a nice air-conditioned office and I drive to work in a really cool car, and um, I'm complaining about all the stupid stuff that you know people would wish they had, right? And so when I when I landed, uh, I hate to say I was I had a guy I was a guy with multiple automobiles. I was living in a great. I, I sold all my cars down to one. I uh, sold my home, moved into a place, and I wanted to make the money that I was able to gain from you know those investments. And then give back. That was my first portion of that to give back into what I was doing and really be serious about it. And, you know, I, giving back and helping folks, I believe in hand up, not hand out, is one of the most rewarding things that you can do in life. And I look at that even in, in, in my previous uh, businesses where we, you help change people's lives. Um and then you watch them flourish. And like, I think um, I say this a lot to myself and my closest friends is that, you know, if I was on my deathbed and it's the, the last day and I'm, I'm thinking about my family and my journey and all that, but I also see faces of the people that I met along the way that I helped. And that is the most rewarding thing. That's really legacy. It's not about whatever you accumulated. It's about, you know, how many people you affect. So, there are so many people out there that were like me, that are like me, um, regardless of color or race. Just make it through. If you make it through, you will understand that journey. And you look back that you can influence that person that's dealing with hardship, whether it's, you know, 
an hour of your time talking over coffee, giving a young person guidance or doing something about it. Like if we can change and make one good person or convert one person or prevent one person that's in a rough stage of their lives, point them down the right path, you're going to make society better. And then I, when I have a, a personal requirement when I help people, I never expect anything back, but I tell that person, pay it forward. I don't need a thank you. I don't need you to take me to dinner. Somewhere down the road, you're going to make it, and there's going to be someone like you that's going to reach out for their reach out their hand, and you're going to pull them up. And then, then when you pull them up, you call me and says, Luan, breathe. And so – you know, your story is so amazing, Luan. I mean, this is a long way from a fishing boat escaping a war-torn country to having multiple cars and homes and being able to think about how I can help other people. I mean, this is a common thread on this show where we talk about true fulfillment in life is service to others and generosity. And, you know, I, I always talk about in my own experience, um, I've been blessed in so many ways, but it always seems to come out of just me being generous. My parents taught me that that was important. I always sort of looked towards everything I did was how I could help other people, even in the moment and, and good things would come my way, you know, and that's not to say I didn't have struggles. I did. And that's what we're trying to show the kids on this show is that regardless of what your circumstance is right now, we're going to show you somebody who's been there and worse and they've overcome and they've been successful. And we hear the same common theme over and over again, strong faith, generosity towards other people, not quitting, keeping your head down, just trying to keep moving forward, understanding that you're going to be going through tough times and that you're, you know, you're going to get through them. Things are going to change. The other thing I think that's really important, I think a lot of us are fearful of other people. Um, and, and sometimes when we don't know people, we are intimidated by our differences. We don't look the same. We don't sound the same. We don't talk the, the right language or the same language. And then when you start getting involved in action, whether it be sports or any kind of endeavor, all that stuff kind of goes away and you realize there's really so much more that, that brings us together. There's so much similarity about us. And that's kind of the funny thing. Block's not here today, but you know, Block and I are good friends. He's a music producer. Uh, that has a story that's very different from mine. We couldn't be two different people, but yet we have something that's in common about wanting to raise our kids and, and wanting to grow our businesses and wanting to give back to our community. And that's the place where we bond. And I think if kids can kind of understand that there's a whole world of people out there that may not look like you, may not sound like you, may not have the same interest as you, but still there's commonality there. Um, this community too, you know, for me, it was sports. And in my mind, I remember thinking, I want my kids to play sports because that's where you learn life. You know, you learn winning, you learn losing, you know, you learn how to work hard, you learn how to fail and get back up again. You learn how to work with people you like, work with people you don't like. And then I had daughters and they just weren't that much into sports, uh, but we found other things, you know, for them, it was, uh, um, music and acting and and that was their community and i kind of realized that that community worked for them because anytime you're working with other people towards any sort of uh, endeavor that is life and that's where you learn these skills uh, that help help you be successful and i, I got to be honest with you having done this show now for a while i mean we've been doing this for quite a while we've had a bunch of big timers from I mean, all walks of life. And it's just amazing to me, the same words coming out of their mouths about, you know, having obstacles, not quitting, 
uh, working hard, faith uh, in God, generosity to other people. Talk to me about that in your own life, about how you start to see that in the world around you. Yeah. I, before I get into it, I, I have a message for all the kids that are out there, whether you're in your teens or you're in your 40s, right? We're all kids at heart at some point. It's, <laughs> it's, you see these folks that achieve their dreams, and those are the, that's the life that you want, and you're thinking, that's not me because I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that talented. I'm not this, not that. Let me break something to you all. Uh, I was an okay student. Um, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to a Cal State Fullerton. And uh, if I can make it, you can make it. And at some point, I broke through when I found my calling, which is was communications, advertising. That's what I wanted to do. I was lost at sea for so many years, not knowing what I wanted to do. And it was just still just searching and searching. And don't look at age and timeline and where your peers are and where you are. Everybody runs on at their own pace. And I know so many people that achieve greatness in, late, in, in the late years of their lives. Like here, here's a couple examples. Colonel Sanders didn't really become Colonel Sanders until he was in his late 50s. Giorgio Armani, the same, the same way. All of these people. So, you know, it's a long road. Don't give up just because someone else is ahead of you. You're going to catch your second win. You don't need to be, be like, you know, the top of your class. But what you do need are belief, as you mentioned, faith, but also grit. If you have those three and you work hard, I've met billionaires and half billionaires. And like you say, there's a common theme. It's called hard work. You put in the work, you're going to get the results you want eventually. If you cheat, it's, it's going to be short run. It's like you know, you're playing you know, cards and you're bluffing. Someone's going to call your bluff, you're going to lose. So might as well come straight because you know, I, I, someone said something – recently to me and made a lot of sense. Being poor is very hard. Being wealthy is very hard. Choose your heart. Yeah. Right? You know, like, you know, that's, that's what, uh, you know, I see in, 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 as I walk through and navigate through the business world to, you know, the network that I was able to build and finding great people like you, great people like Linda and Sean. And just to say like, oh my gosh, these, these people feel like my tribe and they're, they're doing good. How do I, it's contagious, right? How do I be part of that? Luan, so, my, my father used to tell me all the time, he goes, the people who are really successful in life, they're not the beautiful people. They're not the strong people. They're not even the smart people. It's the hard workers that are successful. He goes, not only that, he goes, isn't it ironic that the only thing out of those that you can really control is how hard you work. You know, you, you don't get to born, you're born strong or beautiful or smart. You don't really get to control those things a lot, but you can control your work. And my dad said, be a hustler when you're out there, let the coaches see you hustle, you know, and it, I, I could tell so many stories about how my hustle got me noticed. And, you know, I would tell any kid out there, I had a 1080 on my SAT score, 1080. Okay. I graduated fourth in my medical school class. Where you are now is not where you're going to be in the future. You have to find your passion. You have to work hard. 
you know, we talk about being successful in life. My father used to always tell me, if you want to be successful at somebody, go and find somebody who's been successful at that and then do what they do. And that's what Big Timers has been doing. We've been trying to find Big Timers and have them tell, what do you do? And what do they do? They work hard. They're honest. They have integrity. They're accountable and they're courageous and they have great. Amen to that. Amen to that. Scott, let me add to that. Uh, Luan, you, you go back to something. You were lost to sea, you said, right? And then you said, you. but to me, it appeared that you had a go-getter's mentality. You, you, you didn't even play golf, but here you are now running a golf. Hard work got you there. You know, you bust your tail, but when you're lost, how do you figure out your next step? What did you do? Did you write it down? Did you have goals? How did you achieve those? What was your, what was your, 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 how did you get to the next step? Even though you didn't see it. So I, my sophomore year in college, totally lost. I always felt like I was wasting my, you know, my parents, you know, I had to, I took school loans and I was bartending at night to put myself through school during the day. My parents helped wherever they could, but it was on me. And, you know, I would work till 2 a.m. in the morning and wake up for class at 8 and, you know, try to just eke out this, this education. But I didn't know where I was going. And my sophomore year, I had I had, had a clue. I felt like I was in the 13th or 14th grade. So I took a break. I said to my parents, like, I don't I need to go find myself. I don't, I don't know what I want to do. And the next two years of college, I got to pick a path. Right. And so. I was in Southern California. I packed my Volkswagen Jetta. I had my surfboard, and I went up and down the California coast surfing. And one day, I ended up in the Gulf of Mexico, I was surfing in uh, near Rosarito, Mexico. And I was sitting there uh, waiting for the next set to come in. And I, I hate to admit this, but this Janet Jackson song popped in my head for whatever reason. And I said to myself, God, if I were the director of this video, how do you – how, what would that look like? And then it just hit me like throughout my whole life. I was a creative writer. I, I really enjoyed the creative side of the, you know, the right side of my brain. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go into marketing. I'm going to go into, you know, advertising because, you know, that's where my interest lies. I paddled out, drove, drove home, re-enrolled in, in school. And at that time I was probably a C plus student, like, you know, walking my way through classes, and I became uh, a member of the dean's list, and then ended up, you know, seeing my path and then attacking it. And full transparency, most folks graduated college at 21, 22. I did it at 25, and I'm damn proud of it. You know why? Because when I was at came out at 25, I was hungry. I was ready to go hunt. And at 21, it was a different lawn, a different mentality, and I don't know if I would have taken taken the chances. And so what I say to folks in their early age, it's all a blur. It's all foggy. Just listen to yourself. Find what I call your superpower. And you, whatever it is, whatever your superpower is, if you're good at talking to people and you liken yourself in, you know, social environments or public environments, maybe you should go into these categories of, of, of business and start sharpening that skill because once you master that skill, you control your destiny, and you, you gotta have, you know, grit the 
you also have to believe in yourself and courage. And I'll, I'll share one instance where it didn't change my life. So I had graduated from college. I got uh, the opportunity to work with an ad agency called Shia Day. And Shia Day at the time did Apple, Nissan, Energizer Bunny, these big accounts. And I wanted to be creative, but I, I got recruited into account planning. So I go, okay, I'm going to take this as my entry-level job, and I'll wait my turn. Come to find out that, you know, I was number 598 to be next in line for the creative group right behind the night janitor and the, and the cleaning lady. And I said, you know what, I'm going to work on my portfolio. And I went into the publishing industry as an executive assistant at the time. So anyway, long story short, they were turning these, these million-dollar proposals, and it looked like chicken scratch. So I said to the manager, I said, hey, are you guys really turning this in? And you know, she's like, yeah. I'm like, when is it due? It's, it's due next Tuesday. You, you mind if I take this proposal home and then see if I can make it better and make it more presentable? She's like, go ahead. So I come back and I said, hey, this is what I would do. And they looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute, you did this? And I said, yes. And then from office assistant to marketing manager within six weeks. And then as we were, I was doing this thing, um, UCLA had this program for, uh, you know, digital, you know, uh, it was like a media lab where like the internet was coming on at the same time and, and all this stuff was going. But the course was a two-year course from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., Monday through Friday after work, and it was 50 grand. And at that time, I was making 27, right? No way I could afford it. I still had school loans. So I... I wrote an email to the president of the company. I said, hey, I'm the new kid on the West Coast. There's this thing called the internet that's coming. It's a, it's a comment about to smash into earth. Either we ride it, get jump on it and ride it for our business advantage or get clobbered by it. And there's this course at UCLA that I'm willing to take uh, 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 and it costs 50 grand. And so I'll make a deal with you. And the deal was if you pay for this course, I will sign a five-year, I know it's three-year contract after the course is completed. So I don't take this knowledge and run to the better, a better company. And if I quit, I'll pay you back every penny of this 50 grand. And so I get an email back and he says, I'm coming out next week to LA, let's talk. And then by the time um, he landed, is like, so did you enroll in school yet? And I did. And, and I took that knowledge and then I built on that and we leveraged that um, information and that that technology to grow the business and and so what i the, the more of the story is get your skills and when you get your skills even if you're not a master build your confidence and when you have enough confidence then make your bet and when you make your bet and you do it in the right way even i knew that you know probability is that okay that president might think i'm a absolutely crazy or asking for a tuition just you know a few months into the job but he's got to respect the play, right? And so that's that's the mindset you have to have. And like, no fear. Like, don't fear whatever it is you're ha- you're dealing with. It can be overcome. If I could duck bullets and bombs and see death and all that, you can do it too. That so, is mentor. That is mentorship gold right there. Understanding that when you show somebody. To, that, that you want to believe in you, that you're a go-getter, that you're willing to go out there and get something and make a demand. I mean, in my life right now where I you know, have a lot of employees and people working for me, 
I'm always telling my kids, man, if you walk in and tell somebody, hey, listen, give me an opportunity. I'll work for free. You see what I can do. And then you pay me what I'm worth. Man, I'll take a chance on that guy right away or that girl right away because that character is so rare in people, you know, and having that ability to believe in yourself and to take a chance, right? You, what, what do they say? You never miss the shots or you never make the shots that you never take, you know, and you have to go out there and be willing to take shots and understand that you're going to miss sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes they're going to go in, too. We all get into those times, too, where we don't know what to do. I'm going through them right now. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm also a homer for these kind of movies about people who don't quit. I, you know, on Father's Day, I was watching The Martian for like the 20th time. And my kids are like, my wife was like, where's daddy? And uh, oh, he's up watching The Martian again. And my wife comes in and she's like, what are you doing? You've seen this movie like 10 times. And I said, it's a movie about a guy who doesn't quit. What is there not to like about this? I love this stuff. Uh, the other one is The Soul Surfer, the girl who gets her. It's a true story. Um, about Bethany Hamilton got her arm bitten off by a shark and she was on the verge of becoming a professional surfer. And she eventually did become one on one arm. And as a kid who grew up in Hawaii surfing until I saw that, I would have told you it is not possible for somebody with one arm to be able to surf. It's just not possible, but she did it. And they have this scene in the movie where she lost her arm. She seems like she's lost everything. She's sitting on the beach and her father's trying to console her. And she says, what am I supposed to do now? And he said to her, you need to pray. And she said, pray for what? And he looked at her and he said, for whatever comes next. And that really struck a chord with me because that is so true about life. When you kind of get lost and you don't know what's happened, you wake up every morning, God, help me be a better person. Help me do the right thing and send me a sign. And he always does, you know? And I, I think where people need to just have the courage and, and put yourself out there. If you don't, I mean, I, my my uh, CEO of Berna said something um, pretty interesting to me when I first started. And he said, you know, Alon, I am still trying to figure you out. But the thing that stands out for me is like, you obviously don't need money. You obviously don't even need this job. But what fascinates you about, what fascinates me about your process is you play like you're hungry. Mm -hmm. Like you play like it's your, the last meal that you're going to have and you don't know where your next meal's coming from. And that's the mindset that, you know, I have. And it's part my upbringing. It's part, uh, you know, sports and, and all of that. And and I think you guys can all understand. It's like it's the, the thrill of the competition, right? And it's really um, – I, I get to – I get invited to speak at colleges uh, occasionally. I was uh, – I think it was at NYU one year. And I said to them, like, look, another day is – in the business world, no one cares that what level you're at or you know what it is you do. If you're in that boardroom, you know you're in the water, and there are sharks like me swimming, and I want to eat your lunch. I'll take your lunch because you better come prepared. So if you're in that room with me. You, you get something right to get in the room to be a playmaker, and if you're gonna come in half speed, trust me. I live for that. And that's the competitive edge that the mindset that you have. So hone yourself at whatever age you're getting and try to be the master of your craft. Because once you get in the room with those people, that's opportunity. Because if you impress the sharks, you're going to get invited to go for a swim. And so um, 
I, I, I look at that same type of thing in, in my own life. You know, it's about the better I am at what I do, the better I am to serve others. And I know the better I'm going to be fulfilled. You know what I mean? Because it's that being able to give other people something in life that is the true meaning of life. And it gives you true satisfaction and true fulfillment. And in my world, like I just have to be the best at what I do. And I have to be, you know, better tomorrow than I am today. And, you know, also kind of having that awareness that you never do reach the mountaintop. You know what I mean? You get to a certain level and it's like, okay, where's the next mountain to climb? And you just got to keep going and you never know, you know, you never know where it's going to end. And for me, it's just more opportunities to help more people. And I feel even more fulfilled. And I, I mean, I think about my life now, um, you know, I'm older, I got back pain, you know, I, I think I'm getting shorter, uh, but but I'm in a place where I get to help so many more people and it just makes every day so much more of a blessing. And I think about the road that I travel, man, a 1080 on the SAT score. If you haven't taken SATs yet, kids, your college counselor is going to tell you not to go to college. If you give them a 1080, don't believe them, believe in yourself, find out what your passions are, keep working for it, find other people. There are mentors out there and that's what the Big Timers Foundation is going to be about. That's what Doc in the Block is about, is providing you leadership and mentorship so that you can find your way in this world. You're never going to find a bigger Big Timer than Luan Fom. Luan, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Luan, you are officially certified a Big Timer. And anybody who's listening to the show today that wants to see Luan, we're going to be at the Foundry this Sunday from 1 to 4, the Foundry at Puritan Mill in Atlanta. We're going to have an event with all kinds of big timers there. We're going to have food, drink. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to listen to our big timer mentors and hear what they have to say. Luan, you guys are making a huge donation there for the swag bag for our listeners. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're going to bring products that we produce for the, that you know, focusing on student safety. And uh, we're all about personal safety and um, we're gonna bring an item called the Burna Shield that you can, any student can insert into their backpack that uh, essentially turns that backpack into a bulletproof backpack. And it would withstand, you know, shots from any handgun, which is the most, you know, uh, widely used, um, you know, weapon or, you know, drive-by school tax, what have you, but just an opportunity to give kids uh, and parents who worry about, you know, it can happen anywhere, any any school, regardless of neighborhood. And, you know, what we bring to the market is peace of mind. And if you have peace of mind, you can focus on your work and your studies. And um, you know, my daughter has one in her backpack. And if I'm not there, we call it the shield because as parents, you know, we shield our children from potential dangers. And when I'm not there, which I cannot be every minute of the day, I feel like, you know, she has this, she has a chance. So if you want to get your uh, burn a shield, we're going to have you show up at the foundry at Puritan Mill this Sunday from one to four. I need everybody to go to bigtimers.org. That's big-timers.org. B-I-G-T-I-M-E-R-S.org. Go there and sign up and get your tickets. It's absolutely free. There's going to be food, drink, music. There are going to be all of our great big timers there. Luan Fom's going to be there, and you get your swag bag with your uh, backpack shield. Look forward to seeing everybody there. Thanks again, Luan. Varan, have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next time on the Doc in the Block podcast. We're out. (laughs) 